Amen. If you're a believer in the house, can you give God a shout of praise? Come on, give him just a shout of praise. Hallelujah. How many of you like football? You like football. How many of you have ever shouted at a game? Okay, then. That's why we shout for Jesus, because we're mighty appreciative of what he's done for us. Now, I think all of us can do better, because you know you shouted louder than that at a football game. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord in this house. There you go. God, you're so good to us. You've been better to us than we've even been to ourselves. And we thank you for it. Amen. Well, hey, everybody. Everybody good? Did you have a good week? It's good to see all of you. It's an honor to see you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 20 to all of our guests. And to those of you who have joined us online, we are just so thankful. And you know that I like humor. So uh, how many of you have ever uh, read the five love languages or at least you've heard about the book? Let me see your hand. Okay. You've, you've read it or you've heard about it. Because if you haven't read the book or you haven't at least heard about it, this humor is not going to be too funny to you. But if you have, then it, you might get a chuckle. Here it is. The five love languages. Affirmation. Your coffee is delicious. Here's the next one. Acts of service. I made you coffee. Here's the next one. Receiving gifts. Here's a coffee. Third one. Quality time. Let's go get a coffee. Physical touch. Let me hold you like a cup of coffee. (laughs) Well, I'm so thankful that all of you are here and... I hope that you don't mind staying here just a minute because I want to speak to you out of my spirit. Now, I do want you to know that this is not original with me what I'm going to share with you, but it resonates deeply with me. And anytime something resonates deeply with me, I want to share it with you. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So, Father, just take your word and use it to edify, Lord, your people. And we thank you for it. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 23, I'm reading from a different translation, but it says the Syrian military advisors went to their king and explained Israel's gods are the gods of the hills. And, and last time we fought them, we fought them in the hills. That's why they defeated us. But if we fight them in the valleys where they are weak, we will defeat them there. Now, 2,900 years ago, this is referring to the Syrian army. They had mustered up 32 different kings, and these 32 kings, they decided that they were going to band together to defeat King Ahab and the people of Israel. And so what they did was, is they took this army and they went to the hills and they fought the Israelites in the hills and they lost. So now what they are doing is, is they're coming back a year later and their rationale is this. Well, God, their God, their gods is the gods of the hills. 
And so if we can muster up a big enough army, and if we will take them into the valleys, then we will be able to defeat them in the valleys. And so the scripture goes on, and I want you to look at 1 Kings 20 and 27 now. Because the Syrian army had mustered up again uh, surrounding men to go and fight the Israelites. And in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 27, it says this, that the Syrians covered the whole countryside, but the Israelites looked like two flocks of goats. Now, if you do a little study there is a good possibility that the Syrians literally had a hundred thousand men army and that the Israelites only had maybe seven to ten thousand. So if you do the math, you know that this is fixing to be a bloodbath. Defeat is inevitable. But I want you to look again at Ephesians 20 and now verse 28. God says this. Because the Syrians think that I am only God of the hills and not that I am God of the valleys, I'm going to give you a victory over this huge army so that everyone will know that I am the Lord. I just come to encourage you for the next few minutes this morning is, is this. That God is not just a God of our mountaintop experiences. God is also a God in our valleys. Can I get a witness? I don't know what valley you may be in this morning. You may be in a valley of physical illness. You may be dealing with a long time of sickness. Some of you may be in a valley of financial difficulties. Some of you may be having relationship issues between spouses or between your family members. I don't know what valley that you are in, but I'm just here to encourage you that he is the God of the valleys. God, oh, I want to just tell somebody this morning that it's not going to dim the lights of heaven for God to meet your needs. Whether that is to heal you of the big C word or is that to get $100 into your wallet. It's not going to dim the lights of heaven. Your God is more than enough. He's not only the God of the hills. He's the God of the valleys. Here's what we all need to know this morning. Valleys are just a part of life. Look at your neighbor and just tell him this. You're just going through life. You're just going through life. Guess what? You can't avoid pain. It don't matter if you're a preacher, a prophet, a priest. It don't matter. You can't avoid people. You can't avoid pain. People are going to lie on you. Pastors are going to let you down. Church members are not going to treat you right. People are not always what they say they are. You're going to be disappointed because your expectations are not all going to be met. Valleys are a part of life. I want you to look at Deuteronomy 11 and 11. 
This is probably a verse that maybe slipped your mind. It says the promised land you are about to enter is a land of hills and valleys. What are you saying? I'm saying that metaphorically speaking, life is not all mountaintops. Everybody in this room is going to go through a valley. It's just part of God's plan. Look at 1 Peter 4 and 12. It says this, Don't be surprised when you are tested by troubles or painful suffering, as if something unusual is happening to you. In other words, don't be shocked when you're paying your tithes and you're coming faithful to God and you're doing everything you know to do and you still have trouble. There was a sweet lady, it's Sister uh, Jennifer Langton's aunt. She's a precious lady of God. Love her. And uh, she was coming to church for the first time this morning to this church. She's a, a godly woman. And she fell down their stairs and perhaps broke her ankle. Now... Is she a godly woman? I I believe she's a godly woman. But guess what? We all get breaks. We all fall downstairs. We all suffer things in our life. No matter how godly that we are, valleys are just a part of life. Don't think it's strange when something comes against you. It's not because you're not saved. It's not because God is punishing you. It's called life. Valleys happen to everybody. Look at Psalm 34 and 19. It says, The good man does not escape all troubles. In other words, God's not punishing you this morning because no one in this house is exempt from pain. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 45, It rains on the just... And the unjust. Here's the third thing. Valleys are unpredictable. I wish that I could show you a video of our house right now. Janet's taken it and I thought about putting it up here. But the Bible doesn't tell me to tell you my troubles. It says to preach the word. But if you could see my house right now, our house is in total disruption. Everything is out of our cabinets. Every book is off of our shelves. Things are stacked on our tables. Things are stacked on our couch. We don't have a place to even put a plate of food. We've got paper all over the floors. Tape is everywhere. And guess what? We get a call and says, hey, we're going to deliver you a new table. They were supposed to deliver that table in April. But now they wait till we got three painters in our house and our house is all in disarray and now we got to find a place for a stupid table. What are you saying? I'm saying that guess what? You don't get to say it's 72 degrees outside. My kids are acting good. My bills are paid. My health is good. Man, I had a good night's rest last night. I'll take a problem today. It don't work that way. Your problems are unpredictable and they come at the very worst time. Mm, that's a word from the Lord. Right there. How many's ever known that you can have a good day 
what are you doing? I'm thinking about some of my favorite music. <laughs> and but you get that head going and you're going down the road and you get a call. Brothers and sisters, one phone call can change your life. Yes, it can. Start out a good day and end up tragedy. And I'm not sure that I've done the best. I'm going to take full responsibility in teaching us how to trust God in our troubles. Because we talk a lot about I know the plans that I have for you. And I love that verse. But make no mistake about it. There's two sides to every coin. God's people are going to go through trouble. You are going to go through a valley. And I found several valleys in the scripture. And I just want to come alongside you this morning for a few minutes. And I'm going to share a couple with you. The first is the valley of Siddim. Siddim is a valley that is found in Genesis chapter 14. And I just don't have the time to tell you the whole story. But I want you to look at Genesis 14 and verse 11. Here we go. This valley was full of sticky tar pits. When the king of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to run away from the battle, they slipped and they fell and they got stuck in the pits. Now, the kings in this story are going against Israel. They're going into battle against them. They see that they're losing. So what they do is they turn around and they start running. What they don't realize is they run right into some very sticky tar pits. And they get stuck. Now, the valley of Siddim is the valley of embarrassment. Because what they were doing was, is they were secretly running from a responsibility. And they got embarrassed because the tar pits caught them. It's the valley of failure. I'm going to talk about it just a minute. Because every one of us have had some embarrassing situations. When everyone else seemed like they were looking on and here we are found ourselves stuck in an unpleasant situation. And I just want to make this practical. I don't know what your dark, slimy tar pit is this morning. It may be a bar. It may be a drug. It may be a drink. You fill in the blank. But some of you this morning feel like that you are stuck. And it's embarrassing. You think people know your business and that people are laughing at you. But here's what I want to encourage you with. No matter how you may feel this morning, embarrassed, stuck, frustrated, I can't believe I fell for this. I'm just here to tell you that Jesus can bring you out of any situation that you find yourself in today. In fact, I can sing you an old song, but I'll just speak it. He brought me out of the miry clay. Come on, somebody. You know that old course? He brought me out of the miry clay. My professor didn't do it, and my doctor didn't do it, and my lawyer couldn't do it, but he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. 
to stay. He can bring you out. Now I want to talk about another valley. It's the valley. It's called the valley of Eshcol. I want you to look at Numbers chapter 13 and verse 23. Then the spies came to the valley of Eshcol. The fruit was so abundant that they cut off a grape branch which had a giant cluster of grapes on it. But it was so large that it took two men to carry it. Now, if you go to Brookshire's this morning, you can pick up a cluster of grapes with two fingers. I want you to get this in your mind. The promised land is so bountiful, it is so fruitful, that it literally takes two men that have a pole, and on that pole is this cluster of grapes. And this is what the Lord was showing His people. I want you to know that I'm giving you a good land. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is a land that it takes two men just to carry the grapes. This is the valley that is going to produce and it's going to bring a harvest in your life. But notice verse 32 of this same chapter. But the people there are powerful and they are stronger than we are and they look like giants to us. Notice this, in our own eyes, we felt as small as grasshoppers next to them. The people of God felt inferior. They didn't see themselves as sons with a great big God that would go before them and drive out the enemy. Rather, they saw themselves as just less than grasshoppers. This is the valley of inferiority inferiority. The enemy wants to make you think that you are not enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You're just not enough. And compared to them, you just can't do it. I'm here to tell you if you're in that valley, get a revelation that you're not a servant. You are a covenant son and daughter. And God... God is not asking you to do this by yourself. Come on, brothers and sisters. We need a revelation of who we are in Christ. In my stinking flesh, there is no good thing. But I've got more than flesh. I've got the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me. Come on, somebody. Give God five seconds of your best praise. Can I preach? This is the valley of fear. This is the valley of fear. This is where the enemy will try to get you intimidated. Making you feel inferior. See, these people had a decision to make. And the decision that they were going to make was either going to move them ahead or they would simply give up. They were either going to take what was rightfully theirs or they were going to back off in fear. Now let's make this practical. If you're in this valley of inferiority and fear, you're going to either move ahead or you're going to give up. 
in this valley, you have a decision to make. Either you're going to take a risk or you're going to retreat in defeat. You say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm in a valley of fear? Here's the answer. How do you see what you're looking at right now? What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Do you see what you're looking at right now as an obstacle? Or do you see it as an opportunity? Can I say it again? Whatever you're looking at right now, do you see it as an obstacle or do you see it as an opportunity? There were two men that we can name, Joshua and Caleb, and they saw it as an opportunity. They said, listen, guys, this is a no-brainer. They are bread for us. In other words, we can eat them up. We can eat them like bread. Quit thinking that you are not, you're not enough. Come on, we got God with us. That's what they were telling them, right? But then 10 men, 10 men, the Bible said, brought an evil report. And guess what? They spent their life dying in the desert. And they never got to obtain the promised land. Why? Because they failed the fear test in the valley. And I'm just speaking now. I'm going to just, I'm going to just speak into the heart of TPC. Guess what? God didn't say you wouldn't have a battle. He just said you won't go in it alone. And I don't know what fear right now is in your mind and is trying to hold you back. But if you don't step out of your boat, you're never going to have an experience that will change your life. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 2. Here's another valley that I found in Scripture. Saul and the Israelites camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up a battle plan to fight the Philistines. And the Philistines and the Israelites each stood their ground shouting and taunting each other from opposite hills with the valley of Eli between them. Now drop down to verse Now the Philistines had a giant champion fighter named Goliath who was about nine feet tall. Now drop down to verse 11. When Saul and the Israelites saw this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I want to just transpose right quick. This is why the scripture says that we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. There are literally sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, that I just close my eyes because I really don't want to see it. And that helps me to just not see what is right there, but rather I go into my mind to the word of God. And I remind myself, no matter how big it looks, no matter how bad it looks, my God is bigger, he's better, he's better. There is nothing. Can I just... I want to infuse you with faith right now. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Now here's the story. The giant comes down every day and he taunts him. He just taunts him. He shouts. He goes, hey, you guys, you guys over there are just a bunch of wimps. You're weaklings. You're not worth much. So let's not have this battle. Let's just go mano to mano and may the best man win. I'm the best man for the Philistines. You send your best man. 
And guess what? Whoever, whoever wins, wins the whole battle. See, Eli, this is a valley of conflict. It's when you're facing a giant challenge. Somebody is in your face. They're taunting you. They're screaming in your ear. And you got opposition today. And you got conflict. And you got an opponent. The valley of opposition. God does not want us to retreat. TPC. Hey. Do y'all, y'all know this. Y'all know what I'm fixing to tell you. We are right now in the day where everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I'm talking about from individuals to corporations to religion to institutions. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And we have to once again get the resolve and the attitude. That God does not want us to retreat from this culture. He doesn't want us to become an occult and just build up four walls and say nobody can come in that except they look like us, act like us, spit white like us. We got to protect ourselves. No, he says that he has sent us out as sheep among the wolves. Why? Because God does not want us to retreat in fear. Can I preach to somebody? Search the scriptures. You don't see one time where God ever retreats in fact you don't even find where God ever runs in scripture the only reference you can get if is if if God is the father in the prodigal son story and then he runs to the son he don't ever run away this is not our day to run away from this culture and to run away from praying for the sick and the believing in signs, miracles, and wonders. Oh, I'm going to keep talking to you. This is not a day where we just settle for cute church because God didn't answer a prayer. No, we keep pressing. We keep believing. We keep praying. We keep fasting. We keep worshiping. We keep letting the devil know I am not going to run in fear. I am not going to retreat. Come on, somebody. Can I talk to you a minute? Here's what David told Goliath. He, He told Goliath, this is verse 45 of that same chapter. He said, I don't come to you. This is my language. Now I'm putting this in. No, I'm not going to put that in. I I don't come to you with a sword or a spear or even a javelin. I don't come to you with any of that. I come to you. In the name of the Lord of hosts. Now, we normally stop right there, but David starts getting real chatty. He just keeps talking. He just keeps on talking. He says, and I will strike you down and cut off your head that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. For the battle is the Lord's. Now, I want to show you something. I was was reading this again this morning. Something I just noticed, just a little point. He talks about, I will go into battle with you. And I am going to take off your head. But at the very end, he switches and he says, for the battle is the Lord. And he will give you into our hands. In other words, David is saying, I'm not fighting this 
so my name can be in lights. I am fighting this battle so that the reputation and the honor of Jehovah will not be tarnished. I want the name of the Lord to be proclaimed in the earth. Do you understand that if you feel like you're Job this morning, you need to hang on in there because God is going to use your story so that he can get glory and God is interceding for you right now that you would not retreat, that you would not give up, but that you would stand and fight and see the salvation of the Lord because God wants people to look at you and say, if I would have been them and if I would have gone through that, I think I'd have lost my mind. So tell me, how can you go through that and still be singing a song? How can you go through that and still be praising? How can you go through that and still say that God is good? Can I talk to you? See, this valley right here is a valley where the enemy will try to intimidate you into silence. Listen to me, please. If the devil can get you to shut up, he'll get you to shut down. Notice what David kept doing. He just got real chatty and he just started talking about the goodness of God and what he was going to do with God's help. And he didn't shut up. And the whole time he was talking, he was pulling out a stone. Guess what? Guess what your weapons are right now? They're not a carnal sword. There's not a javelin. It's not a physical shield. But your weapon right now are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold. What is my weapon? The word. This is why you need the word. How did Jesus fight the devil? He said, it is written. It is written. This is why I encourage all of you to memorize the word. Because guess what? When you need it the most, you're not going to have a little New Testament in your back pocket. you got to hide the word of God in your heart that you may not sin against him. What is my weapon? It is the word. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. It's the word. What's my other weapon? It's worship like Brother David told us this morning. How can I get out of this valley of fear? You just keep quoting the word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the enemy came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. You have some weapons. It's called the word. It's called worship. I didn't praise the Lord this morning because I'm on the mountain. I praised him because he's good and he's worthy of praise. I didn't praise him this morning because I have no opposition. I've got some opposition. But I'm going to praise my way through it. Okay, I need a little bit of time today. Okay? I want to settle some things in your mind. I want you to know something about your pastor. I'm not frustrated at anybody in this church. I'm not frustrated at one person. I'm not mad at one person. I am not frustrated at God. I'm not frustrated at you. I'm very frustrated at lawyers. 
And I had a lawyer tell me a lawyer joke yesterday. You know what 50,000 lawyers are in the bottom of the sea? A good start. (laughs) A lawyer told me that yesterday. So I'm not frustrated at you. I'm not mad at God. I'm mad at men and women that tell me one thing and two miles down the road tell me another. It's like I told them, listen, I'm a big boy. I can handle the truth. What I can't handle is a liar. Hey, I can handle any one of you coming to me and saying, Pastor, I'm just depressed. I can handle that. I can handle people telling me the truth. What I can't handle is people telling me one thing, but they do another. People acting one way, but they're really another. You get me involved, and then two miles down the road, you bait and switch on me. Come on, just be who you are. Come on, somebody, just be who you are. That's what I'm frustrated with. I'm frustrated with man's systems. Because men think they know more than God. And they're sometimes good men, but they're locked in a system. And it's called religion. Brothers and sisters, we have to make sure that we are not locked into a system called religion. Because religion is just a form of godliness without God in it. I'm here to tell you that we need more than religion. We need a relationship that transforms our life and transforms our community through the power of his name. Come on, somebody, give God five seconds of your best praise right now. All right. Here, here's, there's one more, and, and I'll be done. Here, here's the Valley of Baca. It's mentioned in Psalms 84. All the pilgrims who wanted to come to Jerusalem had to pass through this Valley of Baca. It means the Valley of Weeping. And it's actually a metaphor For when we go through a dry time in our life and all of our joy is dried up. Maybe you're grieving this morning. Maybe you're weeping. Can I tell you that nothing really grows in the valley of Baca? It's really just a valley that is unproductive. There's no fruit. There's just tears. I've been there. Have you? But I want, I want to show you something. Look at Psalm 84. It starts off in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength comes from the Lord as they pass through, through. I don't get stuck there in that, that pit. I'm going through. I'm going through the valley of Baca. That they may make it. Notice this language. Make it a place of springs. Notice all of a sudden now we're going through an, a, a very dry, ardent valley. And now all of a sudden it's now water shows up and it's a place of springs. They make it a place of springs, the Bible says. And the autumn rain covers it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. Now here's what I want to make practical about this. When you and I go through the valley of dryness, it's like you don't have any feelings anymore. Now, I'm going to just be transparent with you. In 31 years, there's times that I just wasn't on the top of the mountain. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm always going to take myself off a pedestal because I don't belong there. 
I didn't always feel lovey-dovey with Janet. You know, I didn't always feel like singing Barry White's song. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Why do you do that? Because I just like to see you smile. I know it's theatrical and silly, but at least I got you smiling. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Mm. You're not feeling all lovey-dovey with your spouse. You ain't feeling all lovey-dovey with people. Can I tell you? Can I just be transparent with you? There's sometimes... I don't want to shake people's hand. I don't want to put a smile on my face. You know why? Because I'm going through a valley. And we all do. Don't let anybody tell you because you got the Spirit of God, you're never going to face discouragement or depression and you're never going to have a day of weeping. I'm going to tell you right now, I love everybody, but the person that tells you that is a liar. Do I believe God wants us to have more good days and bad days? Of course I do. But everybody's going to go through a valley. Can I keep preaching? And there's just some days you don't feel a lot of emotion. You're dry. You feel drained. You don't feel all lovey-dovey. You don't feel close to anybody. Come on, somebody. The energy in your life is seemingly dried up. You may be grieving this morning. You may be weeping. But listen now, the kind of people that God wants us to be, the kind of person that God wants me to be, He wants me to make this valley of weeping a place of springs. He wants me to go from strength to strength. Can I tell you what my daddy told me? He said, Wayne, it don't matter how old you get, son. God's always going to be refining you. Sister June, you know I love you dearly. How long have you had the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost? Tell me how many years that is. I can't figure that up. Okay, I was born in 67 and I'm 55. So 63, what's the math on that? Close to 60 years. Have you walked through all of these valleys? Every one of them, right? But the thing is, you keep standing. You just keep coming back and saying, God, give me the strength to do what I cannot do within my flesh. Come on. You keep saying, God, Lord, I don't want this. Uh, This is John 7, I believe. Out of your belly shall flow a river. In other words, God, I don't want this to be a trickle. I want it to be a river. But this is something, the Bible says, this spaketh he of the Spirit. In other words, my natural eye can't see the Spirit. My natural hand can't feel the Spirit. But I don't want this to be a trickle. I want it to be a river. So I go back and I get in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And so, Father, pour back into me what I cannot do for myself because I want to turn, God, this valley of weeping into a place of springs. So here's what I want to say to you. No matter if you've had the baptism of the Holy Ghost for 60 plus years, there is a next step that God wants to take you. He wants your fruit on your vine to keep getting sweeter. Some of those old timers tell me that the oldest trees in their orchards produce the sweetest fruit. 
You know why? Because you realize God brought me through that valley and I made it through. Praise God, he brought me through the valley of fear and I'm still standing. And he brought me through the valley of confrontation and Goliath didn't take me out. And I've been through the valley of weeping and I'm still standing. All right, I got to wrap this up. Here's what I want. I just want to leave you with this. Remember this. When you're in the valley, remember this. God is with us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Maybe you hadn't thought of this, but do you think of this? Shadows imply the presence of light. I want you to think about that again. I said shadows imply the presence of light because you don't really get shadows in the darkness you only get shadows in the light so i will not fear why because even though i'm in the valley of the shadow of death there's still light and so instead of looking at what just scares me half to death instead of looking at all the shadows i just turn and i start looking toward the light because jesus said i am the light of the world Come on, somebody. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Get, 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 get focused not on your fears, but get focused on your Father. Stop looking. If you have to, just close your eyes. But stop looking at all the scary stuff in front of you. Just focus on your Father. Because the Lord is with you. I want to encourage you today. Here's what Psalms 73 and 28 says. As for me, God's presence is all I need. See, here's why I I want more than cute church. Because I know that when the presence of God shows up, five minutes can change your whole outlook, your whole attitude. You can walk in sad and you can walk out thinking, you know what? I think I'm going to make it. You know what? I walked in and didn't really have a lot of energy and didn't really want to talk to nobody. But God did something for me that I know I can't do for myself. So, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Are you with me? In the presence of the Lord. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. That God has a good purpose for every one of our valleys. A good purpose. See, God, God is God is not evil. God is only good. Remember this. God cannot give you what he doesn't have. He doesn't have evil in him. How can he do that? He doesn't have bad in him. How can he do that? You're going through a valley because you're living in a broken world full of sin. When you get to heaven and in the presence of God, there will be no more valleys. So listen, God loves you very much. He loves you very much. He's very concerned about you. If he attends every sparrow's funeral, then he loves you more than the sparrows. But God is not concerned about your cash. He's not concerned about your clothes. He's not concerned about you having a condo on the lake. He's not about you having unlimited credit cards. Hear me, please. Your God is concerned about one thing, and that is your character. Because your character is the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you. 
And he's trying to use the valley for a purpose to conform you more and more into his image. So it strips away from you everything and you say, you know what? I'm thankful I got a house and a car and food and I'm so thankful I got all of that. But you can have it today and be gone tomorrow. But thank God Jesus comes not to leave. He comes to stay. And so whatever, Lord. I've been singing this song and I don't think they know it and I don't want them to sing it, but it's a song that says, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me. God's got good purpose for your valleys. Why? Because He's using the valley to strip away stuff that you thought you just had to have. To let you know, no, those are nice, but you don't have to have that. And here's the third thing I want you to remember, is that the reward will last forever. This earth, brothers and sisters, is not the end of the story. You are going to be rewarded because you have been faithful to Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. Our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long. As soon as you cross over the threshold into heaven, you're going to say, what was I thinking? Why did I worry? Oh my goodness. It's worth it all. But ladies and gentlemen, as long as we live on this earth, we're going to fall downstairs. We're going to suffer heartbreak, betrayal, lies are going to be told on us, opposition. People are going to say one thing and they're going to do another. But regardless of the valley that you may be in, it's not going to last. Why? Because if you're a believer, Brother David quoted it this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. And I will lack nothing. Very briefly, I want to bring you to the last valley. And it's found in Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. Here's what it says. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. I don't know where you are this morning. Only God knows that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you've got one foot in this culture and the other foot in Christianity, you're the most miserable person in this world. Because the Scripture says He'd rather you be hot or cold. But He just don't like a person that's trying to play Christian on Sunday and play cute church the rest of the week. Because i got friends. And I want to be popular. He is either going to be Lord of all or He won't be Lord at all. But if you want to go out and do your thing, He'll let you and He won't beg you to stay. Come on, somebody. If you're in a decision this morning, you need to quit tormenting yourself. And I know people don't like it when I say this and maybe I'm saying the wrong thing. But I think it's better to be the prodigal son and go just get it all out of your system and decide, my God, how stupid can I breathe and still breathe? 
I don't have anything out here. I'll at least go back to my father's house and I'll have a good meal. I'll be taken care of. Y'all just stay with me. I'm about to wrap this up. Somebody here, you need to quit playing church. I love you. I'm not against you. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to tell you the truth in love. But until you make up in your mind, you're not going to have focus and you're not going to have peace. You have to decide. Listen, God never comes to your door and beats it down. He's a gentleman. He will knock. And it's up to you to open the door and let him in. Make a decision today. What do I need to do? Ask God, Father, would you just forgive me of the sins of my mouth? Things I've said. Would you forgive me for the sins of my mind? And would you, Lord, forgive me for the sins of my body? I want to make a decision today for you to be Lord of my life. And I resign as CEO of my life. And I put you where you belong. Would you make that decision today? Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus. There are people that are found themselves in the valley of weeping. The valley of Baca. They're grieving. But Lord, what you want is you want to, you want them to make it a place of springs. There are others today that are facing the valley of fear. They're afraid. Afraid of tomorrow. Afraid of a doctor's report. There's others, God, that are in a valley of conflict and confrontation. People in valleys today. And then there are some that they're just in the valley of decision. They just come to church. They check it off their box. I went to church. I'm a good person. But where is the fruit of their life? Lord, I pray that in that valley of decision that we would decide today that the Lord is going to be my shepherd. And I'm going to make him the CEO of my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Yeah, I've been in a valley as your pastor. I've told you that. So perhaps maybe nobody in this room needed this message. But for the past month, whatever preaching I've done, I've been preaching to myself. Because I don't care who you are. The enemy has a target on you. I don't care who you are. And if he can get you stuck in a pit of embarrassment that says, I can't ever go back to that church, man. Everybody knows what I did. I'm here to tell you, the devil's a liar. (laughs) Pastor, you don't know the report I got from the doctor. It just struck fear in my heart. That's the work of the enemy. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. I'm just grieving. I'm depressed. Yes, I do. I know what it is. 
But I'm just telling you, God wants you to get up. Holy Spirit spoke to me right there on a Wednesday night. My brother Grigsby was preaching. The Holy Spirit's never spoke to me like that. Never. And he told me, he said, it's time to get up. I was like, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. Why? Why? There's just sometimes you don't feel like getting up. And then I reminded myself as I read this scripture this morning, you got to get up, David, because God doesn't want his reputation tarnished. So you got to get back up and serve and do what God has called you to do. Because guess what? An enemy, hear me. If you hadn't woke up, wake up right now. Hear this. An enemy is an announcement of a promotion. And the opposition you're facing right now is in hopes that you'll retreat, sit down, shut up. Life hasn't met my expectations. I'm going to come and play cute church. And I'm here to tell you that there are people that are watching you that you don't even know. And everyone in this, per, in this house has influence. And you're either influencing people for the good or you're influencing them for the bad. But you are an influence to somebody. And somebody is watching you. And the enemy wants you to retreat in fear, in weeping, in conflict, in shame. He don't care. He just don't want you to get up and say, you know what, devil? You tried. But I'm not letting up. I'm not giving up. And I'm not shutting up. I'm going to keep pressing because I didn't get in this to get out. I got in this to be saved. Would you raise your hands right now all over this house as they sing? And I want you to just make sure you make that decision right now. Some of you need to step out. You're stepping out. When you step out, you're stepping out of fear. Some of you are stepping out of a valley of conflict. You're stepping out of a valley of weeping. Come on, make a decision today that, God, I'm going to serve you.
I'm really going through it. It's real simple, really. I just need somebody to come up and put their hand on my shoulder and say, I'm with you. And you're not alone. And I may not know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. And guess what? This ain't the first battle you fought. It probably won't be the last, but you made it through them, and we're going to make it through this one. TPC is going to be back on top. Hallelujah. We're going to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see the drug addict. We're going to see the alcoholic. We're going to see the religious break free from those chains of religion and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ that is more than cut and dried and formal, but is filled with the power of the Spirit. For he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Now do me a big favor and put your hand on your neighbor and pray for them right now that they would stand in the name of Jesus, that they would stand against that they would stand against every lie. That they would stand against every attack of the enemy to their mind. Thank you. 